It's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe Calling. So, a very good day and welcome to all listening to our podcast and today is the 28th of April, 2022. So, we had a sort of, uh, I don't know, we had a couple of nice days and then it went a little different yesterday Uh, it rained overnight right now it's raining it's gray the mountain is pretty overcast let's get in the car down to Alphaz del p and find out what it's like over there so uh, good day welcome to you terry what's your weather like bloody miserable (laughs) Uh, cloudy cold looking very uh, british autumnal uh, not what we expect in our part of the world at all. I've never, I'm sick to death of coming here and saying this, I've never had such a extended period of cold, miserable, wet, extremely wet weather, and it was pouring down again today. We've never had so much rain, ever. We should, the good thing is, of course, we shouldn't be struggling for water this year in, uh, in Spain, whereas if it hadn't rained, we would have been struggling, there's no doubt about it. But uh, we, we literally live on a year-to-year basis of getting our uh, accustomed uh, annual rainfall that used to fall every end of September, beginning of October. In about 10 days, we would get normally three-quarters of the year's rainfall. We're blessed in living uh, in Alicante province with having uh, the, 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 the area in the whole of Europe that has more sunshine than anywhere else. But it's sadly lacking at the moment. I think there's more in London than there is here. In terms of global warming, can you make any sense of it with a reference there? Something's changing, Vince. What it is, why it is, I've no idea. I mean, I said the other week, I, mean, I remember reading years ago, 20-odd years ago, a, 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 a dissertation by a guy where he, he, he was hoping to prove uh, that the... Uh, say hoping. Uh, prove that the the uh, the climate bands were moving in our area uh, north to north uh, north south to north meaning that where we live would become more tropical and for instance london and the north of europe would become more mediterranean and i'm beginning to think he might be right there's so many factors pointing towards the change then you've got the worrying factor which i've really got to the bottom of it that the magnetic north is moving at a rate of knots that is nowhere near north, if nowhere near where you think it is. If you were to put a pin in the world, to, somebody said to you, where's the magnetic north pole? I can, I can quite imagine where you'd stick the pin, but you are very wrong. Now, is that affecting it? I've no idea. I think it's, there's more to it than meets the eye. Hmm. I, I remember I made a podcast with jack frost the weather folk or meteorologist actually which he he yeah. always corrected me uh, because most of the people doing the weather forecast on the tv are meteorologists yeah. um and he told me that we'd be getting more like a desert here well it doesn't seem to have got more like a desert over the last couple of years that's for sure 
Well, um, I remember reading quite a long while back about uh, it was a novel, um, but it was based on on facts that the Sahara uh, used to have many rivers and watercourses running through it, and in fact there has been um, wrecks of, uh, of not so old shipping uh, found in the Sahara. You're probably going back about 300 years when part of the, the certainly the South Sahara was quite navigable and that's disappeared it's all changed obviously but when you consider the amount of Sahara rain we've had dumped uh, certainly in, in my swimming pool in the last five or six weeks I just had to strip my pool motor completely but completely gunged up with mud mm. orange mud from the Sahara so I'm going to put it in a box and send it back I must be running short of it over there <laughs> Okay, let's see what I've got for you then this week, and um, we'll start with this one. So our first story is the tension between Spain and Algeria uh, was ratchet, uh, ratcheting up a gear on April the 27th as Algeria was threatening to Spain that, w- that it would cut the country's gas supply if any is diverted to Morocco. Now the threat comes or came as the Spanish government was seeking to reopen the Maghreb gas pipeline. In its response, uh, the Pedro Sanchez government said that any gas shipped to Morocco will not be Algerian gas, but gas that is procured from other suppliers. The Algerian government is issuing the threat, uh, saying any transport of Algerian natural gas delivered to Spain, uh, whose destination is none other than that provided for in the contracts, will be considered a breach of contractual commitments and consequently could lead to a breach of the contract that um, binds Sonatrac with its customers um, uh, then the reply issued by the Monclo went on to say Morocco has asked for support to guarantee its energy security on the basis of commercial relations and Spain has responded positively to its request as it should do with any other partner or neighbour. With total transparency, Morocco will be able to acquire LNG on international markets, um, unload it in some peninsula regassi, I don't know what that means actually, um, uh, uh, pl- well, I suppose it's the company plant, and use the Maghreb gas pipeline to reach its territory. In no case will the gas acquired by Morocco have Algerian or- origin. A government spokesperson said that Morocco had requested support to guarantee its energy security, and based on the trade relations, Spain has responded positively to its request. Tensions between the two countries are high following the government of Pedro Sanchez's acceptance of Morocco's option for Western Sahara as viable and positive. Uh, There is uh, an amount of this that seems to be in the mainstream news as well. Um, Maybe the the British people aren't following it as much, but um, I I know that you watch the Spanish news. So uh, what are you picking up from that uh, situation, Terry? It's a weird situation, isn't it? Uh, obviously, Algeria and Morocco don't seem to be getting on. Um, uh, and Algeria exports gas to Spain. 
and it was uh, said that Spain was actually exporting gas, Algerian gas, to Morocco, uh, which Algeria does not want, which led to the uh, the Algerian ambassador uh, being withdrawn, etc. A bit of saber rattling at high levels, and a bit of chinking of glass eyes. And uh, it's, it's all a bit of a storm in a teacup, isn't it? I mean, how the hell do you know what gas has Spain exported to Morocco? I, I mean, why, why is Spain importing gas from Algeria and then exporting gas to another country? That's, that's a strange one. Uh, you think Algeria would be quite happy just to sell it and turn a blind eye to the fact that it may have been sold into Morocco? Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just another another war of words uh, that, that people like to build up, and um, maybe Spain will say they've done a, a wonderful diplomatic uh, bit of surgery here to repair relationships, which seem to be getting on quite well actually. Not long ago, because they, they were uh, obviously important moves regarding the uh, cost of gas throughout the world. Uh, which has dropped about 80% of GABA. I read something this morning from from highs uh, uh, um, to, of, of about two months ago to where they are now. It's dropped about 80%. So it, it's almost as if the gas crisis is over, but I don't think so. Well, I heard, um, uh, well, I was listening that um, uh, Russia uh, is threatening to stop uh, the gas going to Poland and uh, Bulgaria, well, I think. Yeah, they have. They've actually declared that, which I think, you know, if you're if you're going to go on the offensive as a Russian and say, right, I'm throwing my toys out the pram. I'm now going to stop the gas to Poland and Bulgaria because they're obviously involved in arms shipments being sent to the Ukraine. But why would you do it now when you'd, I've not had my heating on for a month except today? You know, so if anybody's heating their houses with gas, presumably Poland and Bulgaria may be a little bit cooler up there, but. The, the, the season of heating with gas is finishing and you've got months where they, they won't be needing any gas. And since I've just read later on this afternoon that Poland and Bulgaria have said they've amassed more than enough reserves to get them through the next year, 18 months anyway. So it, it seems a bit too, too little too late in regard to... It was, an arm, it was an armament that Russia had and they haven't played their cards in, in time, to be honest with you. I'm surprised they didn't play it before. Seems a bit daft playing that card now. Obviously, the next one will be cut off to Germany. Um, but all this, of course, uh, Vince, with Poland and Bulgaria, Bulgaria, is over the fact that both those two countries have refused to pay for their gas in Russian rubles. Apparently, it, they were, it was like with, uh, the deal was that it was paid for with Russian rubles, so therefore you had to buy the Russian rubles with your currency. And Russia benefited from that. And obviously that's not happening now. Everyone's saying we're not doing anything in rubles because of the uh, uh, the restrictions applied to Russia over the Ukraine affair. And it just seems it just seems it's a bit unravelling a little bit on the Russian front. Yeah. And that's that's a little bit dangerous now. You can if you corner a dog, you've just got to make sure there's a door open somewhere. Yeah. Well, I, I was reading earlier today that apparently uh, one of Putin's aims is to totally destabilize destabilize uh, Europe. Um, and just reading on from this particular article about the gas, yeah. 
um, with with the way Spain is operated then, that would see the recognition of its autonomy, but under the control of Rabat. Algeria, who does not have diplomatic relations with Morocco, considers that the step taken by the central executive favours its opponents in the region. The Maghreb pipeline was closed in October last year after Algeria's 25-year contract to supply Spain and Portugal expired. Spain informed Algeria uh, that it would pump the gas opposite direction using the pipeline, which runs through Morocco. And then finishing off this uh, article was saying that Algeria remains the number one supplier of gas to Spain, considered a more stable supply due to the crisis, obviously, in Ukraine. However, the ongoing feud between Morocco and Algeria could result in that changing. The two countries have a long history of strain relations, starting with the War of the Sands in 1963, while in the Cold War each country was allied to uh, different sides. The situation was made worse by Morocco's recognition of Israel in return for their recognition of Morocco's sovereignty over Western Sahara. That sour relationship now stands to threaten and possibly cut Spain's gas supply if any Algerian supplies are diverted. So from what I'm reading then, Algeria is more of a supplier to Spain than Morocco. Yeah. Because I, I, uh, I was given to believe... like Morocco actually now needs gas <laughs> rather than exporting it. Because <sighs> uh, Spain has been accused of shipping gas to Morocco. Um, not only shipping gas to Morocco, but shipping Algerian gas to Morocco, which will, which will peeve you a little bit if you cut off relations, if you're Algerian and cut off relations with Morocco, i.e. pipeline of gas, to find that you're selling it to Spain and they're selling it to, to Morocco. Uh, so you can understand there's a bit of a, a bit of miffedness going on in the boardrooms and, uh, and the, the houses of power in, in, in Algeria, Morocco and Spain, as if there's nothing else to bloody worry about. It, it might give a little bit more credence to the relationship the uh, the old king had with Morocco because he certainly didn't come across as having a, a strong relationship with um, with Algeria, and certainly you know we haven't read an awful lot in the press um, about Algeria supplying gas up till this point. Um, in, in fact, it really is. I suppose it's about the first time I've seen it. Um, but then yeah. again, I haven't been looking for it, you know. Well, Algeria, well, Algeria supports the um, uh, the liberation of Western Sahara, the, the Polisario Front, and there's an awful lot of minerals in that area which never, no one ever really thought about. And uh, minerals being money, and money being power, uh, it all all comes into the general worldwide play of who's got more power. I need a bit of your power. So. Uh, it's very strange, yeah. There, there was always been good relations with Morocco, as we mentioned last week. That's where Franco uh, made his, or basically launched his, 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 his revolution and took over the Spanish mainland uh, to give us a dictatorship, which he languished in for, what, 40 years? Near enough 40 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he certainly, I mean, he, he did some awful things, there's no doubt about it. But he, he, he brought, he dragged Spain through a complete century of uh, uh, of improvement, without a shadow of doubt. The improvements under Franco were tremendous. It was an extremely hard um, uh, place to live in under Franco, but he, he certainly he had a he had a bloody good eye. He was certainly well advised, and of course his 
his classic was to shepherd in the monarchy afterwards. So Morocco has got a, a lot to answer for one way or another. So, yeah, they are, they are pretty good ties between Morocco and Spain. OK, let's move on. You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. Okay, we're standing in Spain at the moment and we're looking at the Rocafonda neighbourhood of Mataro, uh, which is Barcelona. And this has been the stage to a violent scene of social conflict. This was on the evening of Tuesday the 26th when police were kicked out of a neighbourhood by a violent mob. Most of them were reportedly of Moroccan origin, chasing local police uh, out of the the neighbourhood after one of the police had tried to place a fine on a vehicle that had double parked in Pau Picasso Street. The incident reportedly began shortly after 8 o'clock in the evening with the individual responsible for parking illegally reacting angrily and provoking a large number of residents of the neighbourhood to join him in his confrontation of the police. Uh, This just happened in Mataro and uh, that's one of the hashtags that obviously everybody starts getting alerted to and the pack of Moroccans attacking the local police for doing their job. Police come to Spain, uh, sorry, people come to Spain to adapt and to work. Whoever comes to commit a crime, deportation, uh, please uh, read a tweet posted by one particular reader of the paper um, showing the video of the riot. Uh, So the first question is, have you heard about it? And then um, uh, from what I remember from my last visit to Barcelona, I can't say I'm totally surprised. Uh, no, I haven't, Fitz. Um, no, I, I, used to, I used to buy produce from Matara years and years and years ago to go up there. Um, funny little place north of Barcelona. No, I haven't heard anything about that one. Um, it's, it's, Barcelona sadly seems to be... Uh, well, it's very international, shall we say. And therefore, you, you, you're obviously going to get uh, certain neighbourhoods... Uh, Reacting against other neighbourhoods, you can, you know, it's pretty well un- understandable that way. That it's going to happen. Um, but I've said, as I've said many times on this program, that I've never um, considered the Spanish to be racist, whereas I belong to a racist country. Uh, Britain, you know, Britain, I believe, is extremely racist. I mean, no matter how you want to hide it, it's there. Uh, for some reason, I mean, little kids are born completely innocent. So, at some stage in your life we're convinced that there's some sort of racism going on from both sides. Um, but I've never really considered that uh, that uh, Spain has ever been that way. But uh, young hotheads may be, may be part of that. And, uh, yeah, you're a bit of name-calling. It's the first thing going to call somebody that he's a, a Spanish idiot or a British idiot or a Moroccan idiot. So that immediately makes it racist, doesn't it? It becomes a racist thing. No, I haven't heard about that, but I'm very sad to hear it. I know that uh, when I was visiting uh, the city last time, uh, in certain barrios that just didn't seem to be the normal sort of um, happy-go-lucky atmosphere, and this was pre-lockdown and uh, all that sort of stuff. Okay, so I'll move on to um, this one. Stone. 
Okay, now, as you know, uh, earlier in my life, I worked professionally as a disc jockey. And, um, you know, I look at the papers now, and this one is in the Times. And it was reporting about a DJ called Soda. Now, but the, the important thing is this is a 36-year-old, so we're not talking about a kid. Uh, real name, Huang Sohee. Uh, and she said she was approaching... Um, well, she was in an airport and she was approached by a flight attendant who told her that she had to leave the plane immediately. Um, OK, so the, the, it's a little bit confused. It started off that uh, she was in, in an air, airport from the picture. But then when you read the article, it seems more to be um, that she started off on the plane. The musician claimed she was then told that her sweatpants, which had the word F-U-C-K written all over them, were inappropriate and offensive. DJ Soda was left horrified when an airline employee then allegedly forced her to get undressed in the middle of the airport in front of other passengers and staff. She claimed she offered to go change, that's obviously an American writing this, to go change in the bathroom, but instead had to stand half naked by the gate while they made sarcastic comments about her. Eventually she was left back. Uh, leapt back onto the plane after turning her pants inside out but she said the whole experience left her mortified and trembling in fear um i don't know about you um you know these sort of characters that they make newsworthy uh, if you're going to go round an airport wearing that particular word you're going to you're going to annoy somebody and she would have known that wouldn't she yes she would uh, some people like to make a stir. Some people like to make an entrance. Some people like to draw attention to themselves. Yes, yeah, she would. Yeah, I've got no. I've got no time for anybody. Is uh, what are you? What are you do? You you going to admit you're that stupid? You didn't know what you were wearing. I mean, hang on. You bought it in the first place. I mean, what's that all about? Uh, now this is the person talking to you now on this radio station. I used to have a t-shirt business. And I have printed some amazing things on T-shirts in the past, believe me. Uh, but I would never have them put on public sale. They were, they were People would ask me to print certain things on the T-shirt, and I did. they paid me for it. I did it. Uh, but they, they weren't there for public sale. They were for their own little bit of a pathetic enjoyment. But this lady uh, appears to uh, want me to make an entrance, and she got it. So oh, I've got no sympathy for her, I'm afraid. No, I'm the same. Um, in fact, uh, I remember going into one of the shops in um, um, up by the in Guadalest. Uh, I, I went up and I was taking some nice people around, and um, the, in the shop window they had these FC UK. Very clever marketing, of course, really. Some clever marketing person immediately saw that, you know, there was a bit of an opportunity. Um, But I did have a word with the the shopkeeper because I think that especially if they don't know the language, um, Mm. they they might not know the the offence that that would cause to sort of older people, you know. So um, It's been in the T-shirt printing business as it was uh, many years ago. Uh, I was amazed at... um, Put it this way, there's a massive market in Spain, or there was, maybe there still is, uh, to, to wear a T-shirt with anything written on in English. It, it looked really cool. Yes. And, uh, and people, and, and uh, to make us, I used to do silkscreen printing. Uh, and so you could, you could take a bit of, you could literally take a, a photograph from a newspaper and I could make a silkscreen, I could be printing shirts within an hour with, with what was written on a newspaper. 
So there is flash all across this uh, T-shirt. And, and believe me, for some reason, Spanish people love to buy stuff with stuff written all over in the language. They didn't even know what it was. And I have seen, um, it's professionalism, I suppose. I always look at a T-shirt because I was in the business. But I have seen so many shirts with something absolutely ridiculous printed on it. Either A, complete ignorance on behalf of the guy that made the T-shirt, or B, he's taken the proverbial at the people that are wearing it, where it's saying something pretty well outrageous, you know, or look at my ugly face or something stupid like that. Yeah. But, you know, it would be an actual article. It would be an actual piece of prose that's been taken very carefully and printed on a shirt uh, that can obviously probably got a dual meaning, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's amazing. There is a big market for that. And people, obviously, the likes of FC UK, uh, they they realise that. That's that people will buy that, knowing that's as close as they could be as being to being outrageous and wearing the, a four-letter swear word on their shirt. Yeah. And they're actually wearing something. Again, I would imagine they're buying it out to shock people. If yeah. They're buying it to shock people, not because they like the shirt. I would say a lot of them, I'd imagine, are doing that. And this girl's gone the, the one further and made the classic error. Of, uh, well, perhaps she's dyslexic, but perhaps she thought she bought an FCU UK shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we'll move on. Okay, so multi-millionaire former gas executive. Now, that might be interesting, but anyway, gas executive Sergei Protesenia was found hanged in the garden of his luxury Spanish home in Lloret de Mar, and the bodies of his wife Natalia and his 18-year-old daughter Maria were discovered hacked to death with an axe inside. Spanish authorities have suggested that Mr. Protasenia, 55, executed the pair before killing himself in an uncharacteristic fit of rage while the family enjoyed an Easter break on the Costa Brava last week. But his son Fedor has claimed his father, who had been deputy chairman of major Russian gas firm Novotech, could never harm his wife and daughter and suggested that all three members of his family were murdered. Uh, My father is not a killer, Fedor Protasenya told Mayim. The Mail Online was the paper that this came from. Uh, Mr Protasenya did not leave a suicide note and no fingerprints were found on the weapons, an axe and a knife. Uh, There were no bloodstains on his body. Fedor, a 22-year-old university student, was not at the villa because he spent Easter at the family home in Bordeaux. Not nice, not pleasant to read that sort of thing, but um, I wonder is the connection, the fact that he was anything to do with gas, would that be anything in the mix, I wonder? It's obviously obviously a very miffed person who couldn't uh, get his his, uh, beans on toast this week because he couldn't get his toaster, his gas fired. Old, I used to have an old. Do you have an old gas-fired toaster since on your old cooker back home? Uh, you have the eye level grill. That's where you you you've got your gas going and get your listen, you set we, fire to your toast quite happily. We weren't that far off just putting twigs together and uh, rubbing our hands rubbing, together. You know, rubbing two boys' gas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I read it. I read this since, uh, and yeah, I I haven't read it since. But the bit that I read was they were putting it down as a, a, a dual homicide suicide. Um, but when you get to the point where there was no fingerprints on the the weapons involved to uh, to kill the, the the mother and daughter, um, and uh, it, it, and no blood stains on him, 
Because the way the article I read, it was basically they were killed with a knife and an axe. Now, either way, you're going to have you're going to have clatter all over the curtains. It's going to be everywhere. So uh, either that, or he calmly had a, a nice shower afterwards and disposed of the, all his clothes. Before he put a rope around his neck, stepped into space. It does sound very strange. It sounds to me like a bit of a warning to somebody, or yeah. they call in Spain and a Justa de Cuentas, where people get their own back and uh, and kill somebody. I, I don't know, but it just sounded unbelievable as a as a as a dual homicide suicide situation. Yeah, and with the background to what's going on with the the other pipeline situation. I just wondered, is there something in there? Yeah. But uh, there's nothing that well, you can the, quickly the connect. Russians do like to, the Russians do like to issue uh, pain in very glamorous ways, you know, like radioactive pellets in your teeth, squirting uh, nerve agents on your door handles. Um, they do like to give it a bit of a, bit of a splash. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there was uh, something a bit darker involved there, yeah. Okay. Okay, so moving on, and uh, we're going across the border to France. A British man who took his own life at home in southern France is believed uh, to have murdered his wife prior to his suicide and amid financial difficulties. A murder investigation has been opened in Boudrac in the foothills of the Pyrenean uh, south of Toulouse after the pair's corpses were found in their isolated countryside home. They had part converted their home and outhouse into a bed and breakfast but cut the project short due to financial problems. The couple had bought their house in Boudrac population of around 130 in early 2021 and wanted to turn it into a bed and breakfast. Um, the post-mortem examinations would be conducted on the bodies uh, that this would have been a day or so ago uh, to establish a cause of death for both individuals. Now, feminist groups, in, interestingly enough, say at least 33 women have been killed by their husbands or partners so far in France this year. I don't know whether the journalist just dropped that in to make it even more dramatic, but um, my, my thoughts would have been more two people starting a new life in a different country and not really having the um, the success that they really wanted to, to be having. That would appear what I would probably want to suspect before I looked at anything else. But, I mean, if the feminist groups are quoted there, um, you do wonder why they actually put that particular sentence in, in that particular article. What do you think? No idea behind that one. It's um, Yeah, it was a couple who had financial difficulties, didn't they? But, I don't know, when, when you're under stress, Vince, I mean, people do some very strange things. Um but what does that what does that resolve? You know, killing your wife and then hanging yourself. It's um, it's unusual, isn't it? If you've got financial difficulties, then you you normally step off a of a very high level somewhere or off a very low level with a rope around your neck. You you don't go around killing. Uh, why would you want to kill your wife? Well, there's many people who want to kill their wives, but it just seems a little bit strange to, uh, to do that. You know. So again, was that something? Is there anything? Uh, Anything to be read into that one? I'm going to make sure my gates are locked tonight, Ben. So I'm going to be worried now about all this. <laughs> I'm getting rid of all ropes out of my house. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, you read these things into the um, into the papers that um, you, you know we quite freely access, um, mm. and yet nobody really seems to sort of go anywhere to look at anything to do with these things. You know, I mean, at least, at least, just um, I don't know. Do, do we just just mention it as we go past? I mean, what what do you do with these things? In what, in fact, why do we? I uh, I I'll careful how I word this. Uh, I worked on a project uh, uh, many years ago, and uh, it was about four days from completion. And I, I walked into the, the the site early in the morning with a um, couple of my lads, and walked straight into a legs the legs of one of the uh, one of the owners of the pro- of the project. Hank swinging from one of my ladders with a, a load of electrical wire around his neck. Um, I called the police, obviously. Um, and now I know the partners did not get on at all. There were there were two partners, uh, well more than two, but there were two of the partners really did not get on. The guy that was swinging from a ladder was uh, was quite an old guy. He would just come out of hospital after with a heart attack because of all the stress that his younger, much fitter partner was giving him. Uh, and this guy was there swinging uh, off off by ladders. Um, and to 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 hang himself, he. He had pulled, he'd put these ladders against the wall, and this bloke was quite a frail bloke, right? Just come out of hospital. He'd put my ladders against the wall, and that's quite difficult. They're big ladders. Uh, he had then pulled an industrial dishwasher away from the wall towards the ladder so he could walk up the ladder, step onto the dishwasher, tie himself to the ladder, and then step into space. You and I, Vince, would have trouble moving this industrial dishwasher, believe me. Uh, and I'm no detective, and I, don't forget, I was there first. And I'm looking at the top of this dishwasher, uh, uh, obviously looking at the guy that's hanging from it, from the ladders. But on top of the dishwasher, you could definitely see two very different uh, types of footwear that have been, been, you know, the footprints. And looking at this guy, he had a very dark wheeled scar around, uh, horizontally around his neck. But he was hanging uh, from just under his jawbone from a different position. Uh, I called the police. And the bottom line is, Vince, they put it down as suicide. But to me, uh, this was anything but suicide. But mm. I think it was convenient at the time for the police. Yeah. Uh, they, they were foreign nationals. I don't think they really wanted to get involved. One's dead, one isn't. And the, the surviving partner went on to open a large chain of businesses in the Alicante area. Yeah. So I happened to meet him in, uh, in the airport once. And uh, he suddenly went from being uh, a low medial partner in a, in a new a new a business about to be opened to becoming uh, a, a, an important businessman in Alicante. So I better not say any more than that. Okay. But it's, it's all I'm getting at is that uh, I can understand or I can certainly believe that it's a lot easier there to shove some uh, low-profile cases under the mat and just stamp it as, as suicide rather than open the case and spend, and spend time on it, you know, especially when they're foreign nationals. Yeah. In other words, talking about the British couple that you spoke about just now and then the Russian guy before that. So uh, I think, you know, I think sometimes it might be a bit easy just to sweep things under a carpet. OK. Okay, we don't cover a lot of things in France, but as they had the election 
um, last week. It is interesting to see uh, this particular story. A French policeman has been arrested and placed in custody after he shot dead two people and injured a third when their car refused to stop at a check- checkpoint at a popular Parisian tourist site. The shooting occurred on the ancient uh, Port Neuf in the heart of the French capital on Sunday night as partisans of French President Emmanuel Macron celebrated his re-election. The unidentified officer has admitted opening fire with his police issue Hackler and Koch assault rifle after the car, a Volkswagen Polo, came speeding towards his patrol on the historic bridge. An investigation source said the car was speeding away from the officers who had jumped out of the way when the policeman in question began shooting. The claim by the officers is that they were being targeted by the car, said the source. They got out of the way and then one of them started shooting with his uh, rifle. The driver of the car was killed behind the wheel while the front seat passenger was shot dead as he leapt from the car and began running away. A third man who was in the back seat of the car was wounded in the arm and is recovering in hospital. The officer, meanwhile, was taken into custody and is under investigation for intentional violence resulting in unintentional death. This is a spokesman for the police um, until that investigates uh, um, this particular alleged crime which might have been carried out by officers. Um, I don't know about you, if you had a car being driven through a roadblock and then driven away uh, rather than stop and face whatever it is, you would probably think very, very quickly that somebody was going to do you a mischief. That would be my immediate thoughts. What do you think? Well, well, I'll first step out of the way. But I don't think the Pont Neuf in Paris is actually a war zone where uh, you, you need to uh, shoot at the, at the possible combatants. When, when, what did you say he was, he was accused of? Unintentional un, un, death, un, was it? Un, well, un, un, unintentional, un, yeah. Unintentional homicide or something. Yeah. Uh, hang on. Un, the, he was a, the policeman was accused of unintentional homicide whilst he was firing a semi-automatic gun at a, a car that was driving away. As, irrespective of who's around that car, God forbid... I don't, how many other people could have been shot? I don't think that is, he was actually a marksman, but to, to, but to like empty a, a semi-automatic weapon uh, at a car that's driving away for what? The fact that he's gone round a roadblock <laughs> um, sounds a little bit over the top. You know, maybe he'd every right to do that. Maybe there's more information there that we we aren't aren't party to. Uh, but it does does sound a little bit over a bit of a. Uh, an exaggerated uh, reaction from the, the police force, and uh, God forbid, how many times did we hear that one? I think happens everywhere, Vince, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but I think in this day and age, when you've got cars going into crowds deliberately trying to kill and maim numbers of people, yeah. you know, it, it's not quite as easy to sort of see the the wood from the trees uh, there. You know, hard one to call if you mm. if you're carrying a weapon, which French police do, then I guess it's there to be used. I mean. Uh, Spanish police carry a weapon. I mean, I've, I've, I've spoken to many Spanish policemen who are good friends of mine, and they've never they've drawn a weapon. They've never had to fire one in anger, ever. Uh, they might draw a weapon on occasion, but they never, uh, uh, never. Um, there was, <laughs> there was a video of a, 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 a very dangerous criminal who'd who'd stolen a, a van, 
and he was cornered up towards Kelpie somewhere on, on, on some back roads. And there was, uh, there was two or three police cars, a, a, a sort of partly barricaded, a very small road. There's only passage for one vehicle. And he comes round the corner in this, uh, in this van and nudges with one of the police cars out the way. Um, they go to attack him with truncheons, the police. He jumps out and he starts taking the police on one by one and knocking them out. I'm, going, I'm looking at this video going, you've got a weapon on you and you've been told that this person's a very dangerous criminal. Um, and he eventually did get captured, uh, but it, it wasn't there. He, he got through as a single guy. There was only him in the van. But he got through, uh, I think it was three police cars of, of uh, policemen um, who were just trying to take him down with, 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 with probably punching at him. Um, if he's, if this guy was as, as, as he's, well, he turned out he was, he was a very dangerous individual. I think at some point they'll have to think of putting a bullet in his leg or something to slow him down a bit. I think I'd be. Because he just drove off and it was, it was hours later before they, they got him. So he could have caused no end of mayhem. So on the one hand, you've got the, the, the gendarme on the Pont Neuf in Paris. And on, and on this end, we've got the municipalities and the mountains of Kaffa. <laughs> but uh, very, very different reactions to both of them. Yeah. Okay. On we go. Okay, so we've been looking at the Tesla billionaire and uh, Elon Musk has vowed to let everyone say whatever they want on his social network as long as they can prove they are not robots and is even expected to reinstate banning users including Donald Trump with right-wing commentator Tucker Carlson already back. And in the hours after Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover um, had been announced, some of Twitter's most followed pages pledged to never tweet again. Although their accounts remain active, the mayor of London said he can, has even weighed in the Musk debate with a thinly veiled criticism of the Tesla boss, but was urged by uh, followers to concentrate on tackling the capital's problems with knife crime. He tweeted, freedom of speech is vital, but free speech does not mean a free pass for hatred. Online uh, hate speech fans the flames of prejudice and leads to appalling and tragic real-world violence. Social media companies must do more, not less, to protect their communities. The model and presenter Jamila Jamil said Musk's free speech promise will lead to lawless hate, bigotry and misogyny. Pledging never to tweet again, she said, Ah, he got Twitter. I would like this to be what lies ahead as my last tweet. Um, Actress turned activist Mia Farrow tweeted, Well, if Twitter becomes even more toxic... Uh, with Trumpy treasonous lies and all the hatred, it will be taken less seriously and people like me will quit. Uh, amid a backlash from Twitter users, one critic said, do people who quit Twitter over Elon Musk have to tell everybody? Can't they just um, uh, quit Twitter? And um, Gary Lineker also tweeted on the issue saying, does it matter who owns Twitter? I mean, have we got to the stage where these type of things are as important as they're making them or um, is it me that really is thinking that things are not in any sort of proper perspective anymore well i thought it was a brave move by twitter to to to, to ban trump and and that idiot presenter that you mentioned before um uh, from twitter uh, i thought that was one of the best things that 
did happen. I can fully understand the, 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 the crowds now waving their banners and demanding free speech, free speech. That's very true. But sadly, there are people in this world who use their, their vocal capabilities to deceive people and create mayhem, disturbance and death amongst the population by their inflammatory words in the name of free speech. And I'm thinking of quite a, quite a few at the minute while I'm saying this. These people need to be uh, curtailed. Now, how he's going to do that, we're all just going to have to hold our breath and see. We're just going to have to wait and see. Um, uh, he's, he's right, but he's wrong. Uh, let's, let's just see what he comes up with and what changes he makes. It, it is a very... Um, we, this, this is a, an era we're living through, Vince, that you and I were never born to, obviously. Yeah. It's something there that is part of young kids' lives. Uh, it certainly wasn't part of ours. Um, but it, it's, it becomes the, um, the be-all and end-all uh, of speech, of ideas, of hate, uh, pornography, uh, everything you can think of can be got out there and given a, a, a favourable twist with, with wordsmiths who know how to write things to get the best uh, reaction from the public. Uh, and, and this is, you've got to be clever to stop this. And I don't think there's a law you can bring in to do it. Um, but when you own Twitter, you don't need laws, do you? So this is where the power of Twitter was when it actually banned a president from its company, from its pages. That is power. When the, the most powerful man in the world, in inverted commas, who, who wears orange makeup, um, he, he and, uh, and a very funny wig, uh, has his power curtailed by uh, uh, an entrepreneur wonderful but it's also very dangerous as well because you can curtail uh, the proper speaking people as well so in the it's got to be in the right hands and we've just got to trust uh, musk with um with doing something right with this and we just got to wait and see what happens what okay. does have to happen in my mind is that all the likes of everything that's on facebook etc these things have to be be uh, be uh, controlled there is too much too much going on, which is converting um, um, young minds uh, and not in a favourable way. Hmm. Yeah, I'm afraid. Uh, well, of course, the thing is, that that's a value judgment anyway. It doesn't matter what you or I say. That's our value. And hmm. it's to yeah. try and find the middle ground, isn't it? But uh, very yeah. difficult. OK, let me just remind people what we're doing. It's Europe calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe calling. Okay, last part of our podcast, we can probably de de dedicate to some health and fitness things. I read swapping animal products for future foods such as insects, uh, insect protein or cultured milk could reduce global warming. Water and land use uh, by over 80%. Um, a new study suggested, sorry, that, 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 
that use can reduce it by 80%. Researchers used computer modelling to find the optimal diet combination to meet nutritional needs while also minimising global warming potential, water and land use. They found that if people in Europe replaced meat and dairy with foods produced through new technologies such as making fake steak out of bovine cells, it could significantly reduce all um, environmental impacts. Well, I read a couple of uh, what I thought were interesting comments. One was from Perth. Okay, why don't we start with all the people with private jets, 10 or 20 homes, 70 cars, a 400-foot yacht, etc., etc.? They're always so loud-mouthed about it all, but one day energy requirement for them is a lifetime for anyone else. So there's that first comment. And then uh, the sock book pocket, um, the sock puppet in a drawer from the UK. Why is it uh, we in the West are the ones that are supposed to be actively reducing our carbon footprint, doing something about global warming and drastically changing our diet and swapping meat for bugs? What about the huge populations in China, India, South America, etc.? Our contribution, if we went along with it, would be like a drop in the ocean. As it is, there is no climate emergency and the carbon they want to reduce is us. As for eating bugs, you can bet the so-called elite will be wetting themselves, laughing at the thought of us peasants munching on creepy crawlies. And then this uh, person went on to give us some facts. The temperature of outer space is minus 270 degrees Celsius, uh, which means the sun is warming the planet by approximately 300 degrees Celsius, three times uh, the temperature of boiling water right now. If it didn't, there'd be nothing here but a frozen rock. But get this, the sun is doing this from a distance of 93 million miles. Think about that, 93 million miles. This is unimaginable power. This is what determines our climate. Anyone who thinks we could do anything to counteract such a force by lagging our roofs and driving electric cars is blind to the facts or is clinically insane. The CO2 hoax will prove to be the biggest hoax ever played on humanity. Right, there's a few things to think about there. So, yeah. what do you think? Uh, well, that's quite right. I mean, that big yellow thing up there, was it 93 million miles away, you said, I believe? I've never mentioned yeah. it myself, but... I'll take that as red. Yeah, that that is, and uh, without it, we wouldn't be here, obviously. And we need it for the light that it gives us, for the fact that the plants react with it and grow, uh, and we get vitamin D from it, and all sorts of wonderful things. Um, but its ferocity is tamed by the atmosphere that happens to, by accident, lie around uh, the world, around the Earth. Um, but that atmosphere, apparently is affected by our way of living, i.e. Uh, cows burping, etc., etc. So, uh, and obviously burning coal, etc., all manner of things. It was fridges originally, wasn't it? Don't, don't get rid of your fridge. You've got to be get rid of it properly. You can't let the gas out of your fridge, yeah. making a hole in the, in the atmosphere. Uh, and funny enough, the large hole that they actually publicised way back was over Antarctica, which now seems to have covered. So something good's happened. Whether it's happened by accident or not, I don't know. The thing that has got the change, Vince, is, is very easy. The Chinese had it. The Chinese knew exactly what to do. They controlled the birth rate. Not a very nice way of doing it, um, but it works. We, there's too many of us, mate. There's way too many of us on this planet. 
There's too many on the bus. Somebody's got to get off. You can you reduce cows. If, if, there weren't, if you reduce people, then you don't need so many cows, do you? Less people give off less carbon, uh, shall we, a carbon, smaller carbon footprint. And therefore, you, you need less cows, etc., etc., etc. Though I did read this week that, um, who was it now? Somebody famous has invented a way that uh, um, removes the methane from cows burping. So I, I can only imagine what sort of thing they're wearing. These when you say cows. burping, it's actually probably more, do, if I dare use the correct word, farting. Um, no, no, it's not actually, Vince. No, this, this was what amazed me. I always assumed it was coming out of the backside. Yeah. But uh, when I read into this article, it pointed out, that, uh, news to me, that 90% of the methane produced by a cow is, is burped through its mouth. So they've come up, well, God knows what it is they've come up with, Vince, I've no idea. I can only imagine. I need to try to find a picture of it. They've come up with this gizmo, and it works. That will, obviously, reduce the methane that cows are giving off. So, that, so that's brilliant. We can, I can carry on eating steak now. I haven't got a problem anymore thinking about that. Um, um, perhaps we should all sponsor a cow and give him, get him a helmet. I okay, let me go to those two uh, two particular points that were being made by uh, the people that were writing their comments. Um, you know, it does seem to be that it's always the West. It's always us that's got to change. Um, yeah. Where really, you know, I can't see that many people wanting to eat bugs, uh, nor why would we want to eat bugs, especially when you actually look and see where most of the problems are coming from. Uh, certainly if we were to sort of use Wuhan as a marker and look around the sort of things they sell in that market there, um, mm. you know, it would give you a little bit of a clue as to what could go wrong. Would, would you well, not? I don't suppose they're very happy about what we sit down to eat. You know, I mean, every morning I, I have a breakfast of of, uh, of insect vomit, and I have insect vomit, and that's quite nice um, with chicken periods, uh, which is basically known as honey, and and eggs. So uh, an unfertilised egg is otherwise known as a chicken's period, and bees make honey by 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 vomiting the uh, the pollen into the uh, into the cells and then we drain that and we eat it so when we say about how awful it must be to be be fed on on insects etc well we're already doing it in a roundabout way um strangely uh there are some countries that eat dogs um certainly in spain you can still buy horse meat they sell it at the local butchers where i am you buy horse meat horse meat is probably one of the best meats you could buy you you there's very little or no cholesterol in it it is a marvellous meat to eat. We should all be getting rid of the cows and, and eating horses, in that respect. Um, but it's, listen, everything in moderation is the best thing to, to, to tackle things in all, all ways of life. Uh, yeah, we have to change. Yeah, I've got to lose weight. Yeah, I should eat less. Yeah, I should drink less. Yeah, I should be more active. The awful lot of all things I should be doing. Uh, and that may just help things a little bit. It may just, all, if we all pull together... Just a little bit. What about these you, people you see some changes. that they did target? Uh, people with private jets, 10 or 20 homes, 70 cars, a 400-foot... Yeah. Well, I, I heard what you said there, and, and, and they get, you mentioned that they will get through more energy than, than, uh, than, uh, uh, in a day than people in a year. Maybe. How many of them are there, Vince? How many are we actually talking about? How many of these people do we have to actually exterminate? You know, I don't know, two dozen, three dozen, five hundred... 
very few. Having exterminated these people so they can no longer uh, do what they do, you're still going to be in the same problem. But you do have... Look, ordinary people who are well enough educated without maybe being the top end of the education bracket... If you see the president turning up at the president of the United States turning up at a G7 with 70 cars, which is what obviously this person is referring to, um, Mm. then, you know, it does miff you that somebody in his position is so insensitive to other people that are being asked to cut down um, that he turns up with a cavalcade of, of 70 cars. I mean, you know, why are these politicians so insensitive or stupid? Stupid that they don't realise that the eyes of the world is on uh, everything it's they a do. Show of, it's, if you're talking about the, the president of the United States, it's a show of power. As I said before, if I'm the president of the United States, I am the most powerful man in the world. Uh, actually, no, I'm the second most powerful man in the world because the bloke that ran Twitter was obviously the most powerful man in the world. Um, and I, I will demonstrate that to you. I'll have more cars in my parade than you'll have in yours. You know, ah, let them get on with it. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. It just makes them look a bit idiotic to me, to be honest with you. If they're that fearful of their presence, uh, that they think the whole armies must be out there in the streets waiting to, to, to bump them off. Well, what sort of life are they leading? OK, the last part of this, because you did mention about uh, the fitness walking at a brisk pace for just 75 minutes every week could cut your risk of depression, according to a new study by the World Health Organization recommending everyone exercises for at least two and a half hours every seven days. But researchers at Cambridge University found adults who got half as much Uh, So, you know, just uh, an hour and a half, roughly, were a fifth less likely to have depression, while those who did the full time had a 25 percent reduced risk. The scientists have said it suggests even a small amount of exercise could have a substantial benefit to someone's mental health. Exercise may help with depression because it triggers the release of endorphins, uh, the feel-good chemicals, and improving perception of body image, etc. I think, Terry, there is a bit of that that you could probably immediately say, yes, I think I understand oh, that. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm, I'm the, believe it or not, when I was younger, I used to be reasonably fit. I used to play a lot of rugby, etc. And I know the, the pain used to get me trained, etc. And how good you would feel coming out of it. So later on, uh, in, um, in getting out of my youth and into my older years, I, you read things the same as endorphins. I don't know what endorphins was. I had no idea. But apparently that was the reason why I was, I was feeling good. Um, I, I can, uh, yeah, I can understand that. But I also, I also see um, people who, who get driven to have to having to go down to their gymnasium yeah. on, 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 a, on, a, on a, such a regular basis that it drives their lives. You cannot tell me that that is safe or, or healthy at all. I think it's addictive, Terry. I think there's uh, there's an amount of evidence that uh, less is actually better now. And um, that's just about it for this week. We've come up to our last minute. I'm just going to quickly tell you that I went down to see the Manfreds, Manfred Mann, as was part of the split. There was the majority of them all joined this Manfred Mann, um, went on his own. The others joined the Manfreds uh, down at Benidorm Palace. Excellent night. And once again, I say, Terry, I looked out for you. I thought you'd be there. I didn't know it was on. I saw them a while back. Was it? it must have been before COVID. It was six years ago. A... Six years. Yeah, was it? Y- yes. I was I'm absolutely amazed. I'm getting old, Vince. <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, no, I, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, of course, you had the two lead singers, didn't they? The That's time. right, it's exactly one, the same. One of whom lives down in Solovyekov, I believe, just down the coast. Right, okay. Um, right, well, there we are, uh, just on the hour, and um, we finish on a brighter note. Uh, do what yeah. did it, diddy, and all that. Terry, once again, uh, be nice having a chat, and obviously, we'll Lovely. hope the, the weather just books up a little bit. Oh, I hope we've got blues. Oh, I'm happy to complain I've got a sunburn next time I talk to you next week. That'd be nice. <laughs> okay, bye for now. Cheers, pal. Thank you, Terry.